listening to the Ed Reach Network. Welcome to this week's Ed Gamer Podcast. This is episode two for February 27th, 2011. Ed Gamer is part of the EdReach Network, edreach.us, giving education a voice. A big voice. A very big voice. This show is dedicated to education gaming on any platform. We'll give you the education angle on any topic of games ranging from tabletops to MMOs. We'll discuss how these games impact student learning and how they can be used effectively within the classroom. I am Zach. And I'm Jerry. And Jerry, why don't you introduce yourself? My name is Jerry James. I'm a visual arts teacher at Schomburg High School in Schomburg, Illinois. And I'm Zach Gilbert, and I'm your host, and I'm a sixth grade social studies teacher and language arts teacher from Normal, Illinois. We are both from Illinois. I'm sure that's exciting to everybody else there. <laughs> the Great Outside. Midwest. Yeah, the Great Midwest. So uh, tonight's topic is uh, we're calling it Game On. Educational gaming is gaining ground. We got a lot of G's that in it. That is a lot of G's. <laughs> we got a lot of alliteration, <laughs> so we might have to we might have to change that. But I, I like it for now. So, uh, kind of what what's going on is that uh, Jerry and I both attended uh, the ICE conference up in uh, St. Charles, Illinois, and ICE is Illinois Computing Educators, mm-hmm. and uh, we thought about just talking about some of the things that Jerry saw. And kind of bringing it around to uh, kind of getting support and backing uh, by some major players out there uh, that speak on educational gaming and giving you some, uh, I guess, information. We, we were talking about this before the podcast, support. I just It's kind of interesting using that word because I'm thinking of baseball. So when I was... <laughs> In uh, little league baseball, so that's what I think of support. So, there we go, Jerry. So, uh, what do we have? Uh, what are some of the things that you took out of ICE uh, while you were there? Well, you know, this is my—I'm um, going to say third, and I could be wrong with fourth. But it, so I, I've been to ICE for a couple years now, and um, I've never gone with a view. Um, you know, a concrete, narrowed view of things that I really, really want to see. I've always just kind of been going out, seeing all this different stuff, seeing how, you know, what's new in the field, what's exciting, what can I use in my classroom. Uh, but I really went with a narrowed view this year, and uh, I was presenting during most of the days, so my time was kind of limited. But, uh, you know, I did get a chance to walk around, see all different kinds of stuff. And um, so my narrowed view this year was finding games, finding different what are people doing with gaming in the classroom. And to give some people an, an outline of kind of what the ICE conference is, it's you know it's it's everything dealing with education and and technology and and uh, there's certain areas uh, within the conference. Of course, you have the uh, the main speakers, the keynote speakers. You have presentations, breakout sessions throughout this uh, um, this you know pheasant run, which is in St. Charles. And then uh, there's uh, a PLN and what is that uh, professional learning network or is, is that what that is? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, Scott Meach, who's with Ed Reach and Dan Rezac and Judy Epke, they were all in this area, and, and Jay Blackman, and, and learning. And people, I point people over there saying, hey, you need to sit down over here and just watch people as they come in, and they sit down and learn with you. But you were in a different area. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was the area that you actually were kind of were presenting in? I was in a poster presentation area, so there were you know several tables gathered in a room, and um, it's it's a nice way to present. Mostly because if people aren't familiar with poster presentations, you know, essentially I've got a lot of visuals on the table, and maybe one or two people making themselves available to talk more one on one. So as opposed to this 
kind of, you know, vein where information is just flowing at a large crowd. It's a very personal way to discuss these ideas with people. So not a personal time, you know, people can come and go as they as they wish, but it is um, much easier to get to know the person. You can figure out what exactly area they're coming from, see, you know, give them the best information. So it's kind of nice. What so there's some learning going on there too. I mean, you, you're sharing information, but the oh. learning network. I'm sorry, the the learning network. You know, you might be learning a specific uh, thing with Twitter or a certain program. Uh, yours, you go in, you present this information, mm-hmm. and then you know what else is going on. Yeah, and actually, I, I got I got great information back. You know, I one of the best parts about the conference was um, all the information and the feedback that I got from people, not only what else they wanted to see about, you know, the stuff I had been researching, which was all um, virtual environments and learning in virtual environments, but also, um, you know, they had ideas of like, hey, why don't you do it this way? Or why don't you do this? Which was really, really nice. Nice to get that feedback. Yeah, it is. So now your specific poster presentation was with virtual worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was... Sure. It was based largely on Second Life. Um, and again, I think I mentioned last time it was some of the grad work that I had done, um, a, a class in Second Life and how we can um, adapt Second Life. And, and actually, the question became if we can adapt Second Life into a K-12 through environment. So for people that aren't familiar with Second Life, it's a virtual world in no way that was made for education. Um, and not even really for gaming, uh, more, you know, there, there aren't things you can achieve or levels, um, or things that you win in any means. It's basically social networking. It's, it's Facebook with avatars. Um, so it can get kind of interesting. mm -hmm. And, and the reason that a lot of people in my field and by my field, I mean, the visual arts are so, um, entranced by it is the, 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 the amount of culture from people in other, you know, um, other countries, other states, other regions, um, the amount of culture that comes with, but also the stunning visuals. It's pretty, pretty impressive visual program, um, which actually ended up being one of the challenges because getting a computer lab <laughs> with enough powerful computers to right. run it can can be tricky. Because um, we're loaded, and you know we we have all this money to oh, buy right. all these high end tossing you know, it around. Oh yeah, tossing <laughs> around. And it, there's different levels within Second Life uh, that. If you want to do simple graphics, you can do that. But then you were even showing me how some people just go full bo- full bore with it. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there are things that you can, you know, you can do. You can turn off shadows and turn off rendering and you know simplify things to make it work in a in a lower level. But um, it, when it's running at its full capacity, um, it's a pretty beautiful program. There, there's a lot to really do, and there are there actually is a ton of gaming inside Second Life. Um, Second can Life. You give some examples of. What you could see? Uh, you know, I actually, um, and this just comes from, from my personal information, but one of, one of our tasks uh, with this grad class was to create um, educational games. Uh, so, for instance, mine was, was a, an art you know, game for my photography students. They would walk um, up a ramp, and you'd have to choose one side or the other on the ramp. Very simple game. You know, on the ramp were visuals, and if you chose the wrong visual, you know, you fell through a trap door into sort of another type of world. So um, very cool, you know, very easy, very simple. Wasn't as much about gaming as it was about learning through interacting with this object. But this kind of leads to, especially some of these students where they're, 
they're creating mm-hmm. these avatars, these you know these characters in the worlds, and that leads to bigger and better things. I mean, where where do you see you know somebody that takes off with this? Where where do you see them going if they want to stay in this field? Oh, you know, I I think. Um it has so many benefits, and right now it just also has so many drawbacks. Uh, it's very easy to get lost in this world to, inside Second Life and get very, very distracted into other things. Now, there are people that make um, that, that run businesses out of Second Life. It actually has, to date, I think six or seven millionaires um, of people that sold either real estate, which is essentially server space, or people that have sold um, created clothes. Um, there, are, there are a lot of business classes that teach inside Second Life, just because you you get a Seriously, great, yeah, you, you get a great, um, you get a great, you know, micro economy. Uh, you so, know. so they're so you could buy. So let's say I want a nice outfit for my avatar, and I, I see this business that sells these clothes, and I just buy the code or whatever it is to drop onto my avatar. Mm-hmm. In fact, what you could do, and this is one of my favorite businesses, is you could look up the Classic Rock t-shirt store and you could buy yourself a <laughs> Rush Tour t-shirt. <laughs> wow. Yeah, for your avatar because what else would it wear? Yeah, exactly. Well, I have a few of my own, <laughs> okay. but that, that's, another, that's another story <laughs> for an, another episode. But uh, so, yeah, so it's something you really like. You can build it up. And, and we kind of see that model a little bit with some of the games, the, especially like on the uh, iPods and, 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 and the mobile gaming where you get the game for free. But then if you want to start adding mm-hmm. more you know, items in there, you have to pay it a little bit. Sure, sure. The outline's for free, and it's the details that all gets you, get you sucked <laughs> in. Get you, yeah. Yeah, it gets you sucked in. Like one of my, uh, you know, favorite games was uh, Lord of the Rings Online, and they went to a free model, uh, or I think they call it freemium. Okay. Uh, where you know you can only go to certain places for free, you can only do certain things for free, and then if you wanted to, um, you know, do other things, you know, cooler things, then uh, you have to pay a little bit more to to be able to do that. And there's a store and everything that's involved. So um, I think a lot of games are doing that, especially the way the economy is, because sure. you know, paying fifteen dollars a month, uh, you know, that adds up over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Second Life is kind of similar. You know, the whole thing is free, access it all for free, download it for free, the viewers free, um, but then obviously. You know, the, the more in depth you want to get, if you if you want to invest your own money into it, you're more than welcome. They, they so would. you know, I I buy a T-shirt. You know, is it like the Apple type thing where it's 99 cents? You know, you just pay a uh, well, dollar for certain things, or is there some stuff that's just astronomically expensive? You know, the things that are astronomically expensive is the land. Um, people have become incredible builders in Second Life. Yeah, and um, for those that you know, it's a very um, it's it's a shape oriented type build. It does involve scripting and um, uh, all, uh, sorry, all kinds of other different types of building type patterns. So but it, are there themes? Like, you know, you could have a Middle Ages, you could kind of have oh, a, a city, New Age city. Um, and that's, yeah. that's where the money's made is people okay. create these worlds and then we'll sell you a world. So, for instance, wow. um, Northern Illinois, where I went, Northern Illinois University, they, they created – there, they had a, a lab of students create the entire university online. So you can literally walk in, you know, sit in any one of the buildings on campus. Now, some people don't have the time or the means to do that. So you would have a company come in and say, I want you to build me a virtual land where I can meet with all my employees and I'm going to pay you this much to give me yeah. the, the server space wow. and the buildings. 
No, we're not going to turn into like Wally, are we? You know, <laughs> sits at home and and they get very large and and they don't get up. Well, well I mean, Linden Labs would love that, I think. But what's that? I said Linden Labs, the creator of Second Life, would love that because then oh, it would mean yeah. you were, you were in their program. Yeah. But yeah, and then they can sell you uh, virtual diets. <laughs> you know, it, it's scary how how true that rang. When I saw it, I um I, that part I was just like, oh man, that is so true because <laughs> you literally um in in Second Life can do. Way too many things virtually for your own. Well, and too much of anything is bad. I mean, you know, whether it's World of Warcraft or, or heck, Facebook. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, people are just, you know, I get on there maybe once every other day or every few days, and I go through, and there's certain people that are on there like every other minute, and yeah. it's, it's like, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> You're going to need a virtual treadmill to, you know, work uh, yourself out. Yeah, maybe, maybe treadmills with, uh, <laughs> Create electricity so your computer keeps going. <laughs> there you go. That might be that might be something there. So, uh, so you saw some of the you you said you learned some things from the the PLN. Uh, some people gave you some ideas. I did. You or not PLN, but I mean, uh, I'm sorry. The, sure. the poster sessions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, I, I did get some great ideas. I um, I think one of the really good ones is I, w- I was talking back and forth with somebody on how to. One of one of the biggest things we've problems we've come in faced with Second Life is it's. It's so vast, and of course, it's kind of reminiscent of when the internet was introduced into education. You know, there were all these people against bringing the internet into the classroom because kids are going to find all this horrible stuff on it. Um, so we needed to find better ways to filter it. Second Life is kind of the same thing. They're scared about, you know, bringing this into the classroom. People are still scared about bringing it into the classroom until it can be really effectively um, censored. And so, you know, one of the guys said, well, why don't you just move your avatar around and project it on the screen? You only go to safe areas, and then your kids can kind of go those ways with you. I was like, you know, that's actually a great idea. Yeah. (laughs) I hadn't really thought of it. You know, it takes a little bit of the interaction out. The kids aren't physically doing it, but, you know, if, if there's some really great sites that I want my kids to see, I can take them on a little field trip, you know, in Second Life and uh, show them some of this great stuff. Well, and then you you can have individual servers, correct, mm-hmm. on Second Life, yes, uh, and and host that because I, I I'm pretty sure, and I'm I'm sure somebody will well our two listeners out there uh, <laughs> might you know say if this is right or wrong, but uh, I think Illinois State, uh, you know, there's certain students that are autistic or have Aspergers and and their social interaction is very difficult, mm-hmm. so they what they've done. Uh, and maybe some others have done this too, is that uh, they've had their own Second Life server and grad students or people with through the university would interact with students kind of like a role-playing. So they can they take the fear out of it uh, about actually being face-to-face with somebody, but you would meet that person within Second Life and they can role-play and then they can talk about it later, but kind of build up their confidence to where they could go out to a library or the mall or you know out to a restaurant and be able to interact uh, in uh, socially acceptable manner you know that that's actually that's that's an absolutely huge end of it and um uh, the lady that i was presenting with her son actually has a huge social phobia that's how she got turned on to it um, wow yeah her cool. it, it pretty much everything you just said he he learned to interact with people through you know through the um, through Second Life, uh, they had a, a private home island where she could, you know, slowly introduce other people that she was comfortable with, you know, and, and he would he would just very pick up on some of those social skills because there's a lot that you don't have to worry about in Second Life. You don't have to worry about facial expressions. You don't have to worry, right. about, you know, the, about a lot of these anxieties that come with people that have a hard time in social situations. 
Well, and you know, uh, maybe maybe I get paid by how many times I say his name, but uh, Scott Meach, <laughs> uh, how uh, he always says, you know, people always focus on the negative. You really need to look at the positives. And you know, okay, yes, there's some bad areas within Second Life. There's some things that you really need to monitor as a teacher or whatever you're using it for. But that aspect of helping students that are have t- trouble interacting socially mm-hmm. is such a huge. Uh, it can be such a huge uh, builder of you know confidence, but also uh, help out those help out those students in such a positive way. Instead of looking at the negative, let's look at the positive. So you, this aspect here, kind of switching gears a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, you, you are teaching students how to create these worlds, and one of the uh, biggest uh, worlds out there would be, would you say, Wow? Sure, of World course. of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so maybe you're building future uh, computer engineers or whatever software engineers um, for World of, World of Warcraft. You, so, what's how are you looking at World of Warcraft for the classroom? You know, it's a it's another great topic, and I was happy to see there were um, a couple presenters at ICE uh, that were starting to focus on this because there was there was so much at ICE about um, I guess what I'll call simple games in. in simple i don't mean to demean them just simple as in very you know simple outcome simple concept um and quick learning you know so maybe like online games or gaming games that are used in in math class to help you you know find the right well, answer maybe like some that. drill and kill sure exactly perfect example um in the world of warcraft and things like um second life although it not, might not be a game they remind me more of, of a more complex type of gaming environment that's going to offer you not only you know simple simple interactions and and right or wrong answers but the ability to you know communicate with people the ability to um to search for new knowledge new information you know they they involve and i think here's one of the keys different types of learning which we've kind of talked about a, a little bit but not only learning through exploring but also learning through building you know learning through creating games as opposed to learning through um through just playing games and uh, world of warcraft i think it serves a, a function very similar to Second Life, whereas it's a virtual world. It's a place for people to meet. Um, it's it's an, it's a beautiful environment, and it really gives uh, people a new way to learn. Now, um, my big dig, I would say, on, on World of Warcraft is you're stuck in one time, in one culture. And right. although you're meeting different people, you know, you're still stuck in this this one sort of fantasy type culture as opposed to something like second life, which is based, if this sounds odd, based in reality, but based <laughs> in more reality than, than world of Warcraft, you, you can enter new cultures, you can enter different, you know, places, but obviously world of Warcraft, the thing that it has on second life is it's a game. And, and so there's learning to be done through the game as well, through teaming up with people, completing missions. That's not something you can do in second life. Right, so it's um, so it's basically taking the visual aspect and expanding it into a game, which is a whole engineering a game um, and the math and science that's involved in that is such a huge leap. I mean, yes, you have the graphics of it, but how things interact is 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 pretty amazing, um, just in an engineering standpoint. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. So you know we were kind of uh, we're trying to figure out a way because there's a there's a certain TED talk that um, and if you guys know what 
uh, Ted is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is it, is it technology, entertainment, design or something? I will say yes. <laughs> I'm sitting there on the TED site. is like, I thought I knew what this meant. Uh, yeah, so find that while I'm talking here. <laughs> Already so, working on it. Uh, uh, so there is a, a speaker, one of the TED Talks, uh, Tom Chatfield. And he had a phenomenal TED Talk, and basically it was seven ways games reward the brain. And now this is how we as a player interact with it. doesn't talk about the aspect of how you build it. But in building it, you got to make sure that you keep some of these things in mind. The, the first one he has, uh, and we'll have a link on uh, for the podcast for this, but um, these seven, the list of seven. Using using an experience system, so um, you know, like you're a Boy Scout, you know, you get badges, you get experience, you move up levels. Uh, kids really like that. There's uh, some intrinsic value to that uh, of of gaining progress. Um, and it's not about, and he talks about it here. Don't give grades. It's not about grades. It's it's something that's uh, you have this progression as you're going along, and uh, you have a way inside you to see how you're progressing and that you don't really need great grades for that. Kids will, kids will tell you I'm a level such and such, or I've completed, you know, call of duty on, uh, you know, uh, the higher levels. I'm trying to remember, but the, the different levels on there. So that, that's a big, uh, that's a big hit for them. That makes them feel good. The students feel good or the player feel good. Uh, multiple long and short-term aims. So you have a, a long-term goal, and but you also have short-term goals as you're going along. Well, um, that's kind of how you should, you know, have some of your, especially as a teacher. You know, I have a long-term goal for what I'm doing in my classroom, and then we have little goals along the way that help us reach that. Absolutely. So do you, now I'm guessing you probably have a lot of those things in mind when you're designing uh, graphics in your classroom. Oh, absolutely. And speaking of design, technology, entertainment, design. So there you go, Ted. So, did I have that? I think did you I were right. That? I think you okay. were right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so um, he kind of goes on. Uh, you're rewarded for effort. Uh, so whether you get badges or items, like in World of Warcraft, you might get uh, certain items for completing a quest, mm-hmm. a nicer shield or armor. Um, you could get coin, money, uh, to be able to purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, rapid, this, is, this one hits me the most. Rapid, clear, frequent feedback. And I think the reason why this hits me the most is that uh, as teachers, um, you know, this is one area that I always try to keep in mind is that I want to make sure I give feedback to the students. I can't have, you know, I think we were talking about before the podcast, I got tons of papers to grade <laughs> this, right. this weekend and I, I need to get it ready and we got ISATs coming up and it's just like, but if I don't get those papers back to them quickly, it almost, you lose the impact or the effectiveness of doing that assignment. Yeah, and I think, just to toss this in, I think this is where games absolutely destroy teachers. I mean, this is like... Yes. This is huge because you always know where you are with a game. If, if you're on the wrong course, it's going to tell you, you know, immediately. You know, you have a bar down at the bottom or wherever <laughs> yeah. you decide to put it. Yeah. I have this many experience points. I need this many to get to the next level. Yeah, yeah. When your lifeline runs out, you're done, you know. Yeah. The game uh, is happy to tell you that. And, oh, definitely. And, and it's so different than, than with teaching because we, we can't grade, you know, unlike a computer can, we can't grade 30 30 papers instantly when they hand oh. it to us and hand them right back. Be like, you know, That's one part of having, because I have uh, e-instruction clickers, 
mm-hmm. pulse clickers, mm-hmm. and I I, I want to use them more often. But the instant feedback is is there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, we might just ask verbal questions, or we might have a little assessment, or whatever, and the kids can see you know what they get, and I can tell them, and and it helps me decide you know next day's lesson or or what we're doing. But that's that's the closest that that I have to some type of instant feedback other than the student giving an, giving an answer and I give them a pat on the back saying, good job, or, you know, uh, really? That's all you can come with? No, I don't say that. To <laughs> uh, but, you know, that that one to me, number it's number four. Rapid, clear, and frequent feedback is huge. Yeah, because that that's only going to increase learning. When, when a kid knows that quickly that, you know, that they're um, that they're on the right path or not, yeah. That's just going to make learning so much easier. It's kind of like taking that first test from a, a new teacher and not really knowing, you know, that teacher's testing style, not knowing what you're in for. Right. And it really doesn't help you to study for the next test until you got that one back and understand right. what you did wrong. But it keeps you going. Right. In games, it's just instant, which I think is fantastic. Well, as you mentioned there, you know, kind of of. Um, how you don't know some things sometimes, you know, as you're in a classroom or in a game. But number five is uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And this is the – you never know what's going to happen. That's real life. I mean mm-hmm. something could – you know, the, one of the games I mentioned last week was the uh, – on the BBC games was the um, Pyramid Builder. Well, you could build everything correctly, put all the parameters in correctly, and – Oh no! There was a flood, or there's locusts, or there's you know disease, or something happens, <laughs> and then the pyramid's again. not built, and then you hear the kids screaming like they're ah, you know they're upset, like what's going on? I did everything correctly, and then you know something like that happens. I, I love when that does happen, the uncertainty mm-hmm. um, in a game, and especially you know that'll happen a little bit with artificial intelligence when you're going against you know um, you know. AI in, in, a, in a game, but you don't get as much uncertainty to, to that. It's The uncertainty comes when you're going against other human players, mm-hmm. and that can that can be interesting. Um, somebody does something differently or does something wrong, or, or um, that, that changes the outcome of the game, and I think that's exciting for a lot of the players and students as well. But isn't that the, the greatest real-life simulator that you can oh, find. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you never know what the, what the driver in front of you is going to do, and you, you need to react to it immediately. Right. You know? Well, there's a reason why, uh, you know, military pilots or, you know, they'll go through simulations. They go through and, and test, you know, it, the military seems to do this, um, you know, in certain types of simulations. Uh, I remember, what, Apollo 13? You know, NASA, you know, the, the whole the whole idea, well, we got to come up with all these different possibilities of what could happen so we could figure out a way so uh, we can fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that is that's real life. Mm-hmm. So that uncertainty and getting the kids to think that's that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, windows of enhanced attention. Um, this is where. This is kind of getting a little science geeky here. Um, basically, I'll just read it here. This is about using emerging uh, emerging field of neurological modeling to identify those moments when attention and memory are enhanced in the brain and elevated dopamine levels. And then put it, putting learning at that point. So we were talking um, before, uh, Jerry, about how we go up to the boss, you know, in a game. Um, you know, we got have this big challenge uh, that we need to tackle, and uh, that your what happens to you when that? You know, how does your body react to that when you 
do something like that, Jerry? Well, it's you know, you stop. You stop, you pause, and the game has forced you to do that. You pause, you ready, the little, you know, the hairs go up uh-huh. on, on your arms. You, you realize that everything you've worked for now is, is right at this point. You know, you need to put your best foot forward. It's, it's like a great moment. It, it is, and your, your attention is totally increased. Mm-hmm. So you, of what you need to do and what you need to focus on. And sometimes what a game will do is you'll have that heightened moment, and they'll give you a very important piece of information, and you'll remember it. So let's say you don't get the boss the first time, the, you know, the, um, uh, you're, you can't finish the quest, but as you're going through that, you realize, I should have done this, or I should do this, or we need to do this next time. We need to go back and get this item so we can complete, you know, the quest. And it's at that point when, you know, your brain is just is riding high that you can figure something like that out. Yeah. It's not when you're talking to those little characters off to the side and you're <laughs> clicking through real quick and trying to, you know, figure out, you know, I just just get me to the next screen. I want to I want to know what's going on. You know, you're really skipping over a lot of that. You're not reading it. Right. Kids play. They're clicking the, you know, hitting the clickers, getting through the text. Right. Um, but it's in those big moments when uh, you can drop information in and, and the kids remember that. Yeah, I think that's something else that games, you know, the more I think about it, that's definitely something else that games have on the classroom. Because how many times in the classroom do you have that, you know, that that moment, that, you know, that clear-headedness where students are like, I want that information now. You know, I want to know if I pass now or I'm, I'm ready right now. Yeah, it, it's there's a different intensity. Mm-hmm. There's a totally different intensity. Um, so... That the brain, the neurological, uh, neuro, Jerry, neurology, Neuro- yeah. neurological. There you go. Thank you. Uh, looking at that and figuring out when to drop in information, and it doesn't have to be just for a classroom. It, you could be, this could be used in a business setting. It could be used uh, in any type of training. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, military does it very effectively. Where uh, combat situations, you know, heightened state, you know, of alert. Um, I don't think we want to have – I don't know if I want to teach with kids thinking that their life is in danger, though. <laughs> that so could get weird. No, but you know, you, you play games in, in the classroom and you're going against somebody else. The competition is what raises that up sometimes. Of so. course. Uh, and that goes to – with the competition, other people. So number seven is other people interacting. Um, it, it's not – you could have personal achievement. That's fine. You know, I really have a tough time nowadays playing any games um, without getting online or playing, you know, a game with a, f- a friend mm-hmm. or, you know, being with somebody and having that interaction. There's – it's – you know, I like going through and completing single-player versions of games. But um, there's something different when you can do that with uh, a friend or a partner co-oping. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, you know, I'm, I love this one too. I'm all over this one because of, you know, my experiences with, we talk about um, World of Warcraft, we talk about Second Life. Those are all just built on the interactions with other people. Well, do you have kids interacting and, and you know, one kid builds one part, another kid's build, build another part and they put them together? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, you know, most of the projects we did in Second Life were um, group builds is what we called them because, you know, that's, that's the best way to, to attack something like this. So you'd be online and, and you know, you you each would be responsible for creating a certain part of, of a building or a sculpture or of a learning object or, or something like this. And, and you know, you gotta you have to communicate, you have to put them together. The networking is um, pretty amazing that happens through these things. 
Yeah. Well, um, I'm sitting here looking at our title of our pod, you know, the, this episode, Game On, Educational Gaming is Gaining Ground. And I'm like, okay, we finally got to the idea where gaining ground, you know, we're, there's several podcasts on, um, or you know, broadcasts on TED, uh, that talk about gaming. But it's, it seems like every day I'm seeing articles and things that are being out there that are, that are using that, uh, some way of using gaming, uh, in the classroom. And uh, it is gaining ground. My only concern is, especially with the way the economy is and how districts are, are strapped, how can we do that? What are some easy ways of doing that? And maybe there's people out there that can comment on the on the on this post and give us some ideas of, of cheap ways of doing that. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, this is where you know every. Every time you want to install something new into the classroom, it's kind of a dance between two people, and it's it's a teacher that has to want to incorporate it, which I think we are, you know, there are a lot of us here, obviously, if you're listening to this, but then also um, when times get tough in economy and things like that, then you need the gaming companies to come forward, too. Yeah, and that's that's something that I think we'll talk about in, in later episodes is that, um, you know, I've really started looking at board games um, for the classroom. And it's something that it could be. It's a lot easier to implement. Um, I don't have to worry about getting computers. Uh, I can, you know, sometimes you can find them online and get them cheaper, less expensive, uh, you know, than an actual video game. Um, maybe that's a way to do it. Card games, you know, it's- simple, you know, pen and paper games. I mean. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that we could use, especially in, in the times like this. So, uh, anything else to add, Jerry? You know, I, I think that uh, think that about sums it up. I think okay. it was nice to see ICE is you know that that ICE conference really growing this year. There were a lot of people talking about gaming. I had a good time, and I, I hope and the numbers were pretty good considering the economy and the way it was. So yeah, uh, that's that's a good thing. Um, the next week, you guys are going to want to make sure you listen. Uh, kind of have something up my sleeve that I've had an idea for a long time and uh, just pay attention. I think I'm going to put a, a, a blog post out there uh, earlier in the week and uh, that'll kind of be our topic for, for next week. But uh, trying to figure out ways of bringing educational gaming in the classroom and there's one particular company out there that I think could really help out um, and that's, uh, well, you know what? Leave Get on edreach.us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go to edreach.us later in this week, and and you can see the post, and then listen to the podcast next week. So, thank you guys for all guys, gals, everybody, uh, sentient beings. Maybe Watson's out there, uh, the Jeopardy computer. <laughs> Maybe he's listening. Uh, <laughs> I hope thank so. you. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, he'd whoop us. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening to this week's Ed Gamer episode two. Please follow us on edreach.us, and also follow all the great podcasts and blog posts on the Edreach Network. Have a great week. Bye.